Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. Prayer by Paul for the Ephesian church. And I kind of made it my own prayer and the prayer of all of our regional directors and the prayer of all of our pastors to pray for our congregations along this pattern of prayer. There are two prayers that Paul prays in Ephesians for the people of God in that city. But this is the second one, and it's in Ephesians 3, verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I just thought that, wow, for all of us, there's a reason to pray. And for all of us, if we are thinking about doing anything, dreaming great dreams for the future, that's a reason to pray. If we have problems that we feel are impossible to solve, that's a reason to pray. If we've got a community that is largely unchurched, unsaved, not really open to receiving the gospel, that's a reason to pray. God does nothing but an answer to prayer. One of the great heroes of of history has said, you know, the the power of prayer can never be underestimated. Just, Just praying on our own is powerful. But when the church prays together, that united prayer is the place of power. There's no doubt about it. As we enter this new year, let's start the year with prayer. If we start on our knees, we'll finish on our feet. There's no doubt about it. Praying is the first stop for every great venture in God. And that's what Paul does. He says, I'm bowing my knees in prayer to God. Bowing my knees, kneeling before God, restricts our movement which isn't a bad thing in prayer. It restricts us looking at devices, restricts distractions. And Jesus, when he said, when you pray, shut the door, go into the closet, be in an undistracted place, keep prayer meetings and our personal prayer time in focus on the things that we are praying for. I've seen many different prayer situations of pastors. One of them I remember was uh, this particular pastor had photos of all the people that he was praying for all in front of the area where he prayed, and he would pray over them. Another one was a pastor would flip through his contacts list on his phone while he was praying and pray for those people in his uh, his contacts list or in his VIP list or in his favorite list. And, And there are various ways to remind us to stay in prayer. But I would say that as we begin the year, let's begin it with prayer. And that's how Paul starts this letter. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That's my prayer for you. My prayer for you as pastor and, and, and a team and your marriages and your families and your congregations, every single person, we are praying that you be strengthened in your faith, that you be strengthened with might in your spirit, in your inner man. There are a lot of battles that every one of us face in being a believer. 
and we are strengthened through the prayers of other people praying for us. We are strengthened when we read the Word of God and the Word level becomes equal to our problem levels, becomes equal to our level of responsibility. We are strengthened by the Holy Spirit coming within us. Every time we worship, we receive another, another little input, injection of strength in our inner man. And so the Spirit of God is the secret to strengthening us inside so that we have a shock absorber for all the shocks that come our way. I've found that trouble comes without warning. But if you're ready on the inside, you'll find that you're able to actually withstand every attack of the enemy. In fact, when Paul is talking in the same letter to the Ephesians about the battle that we all face, he says, stand. It's not about actually moving forward and attacking. It's just hold your ground and be strong in the Lord and be in the power of God in armor, in weaponry with your sword and be fully clothed. And he says, and having done everything, stand, hold your ground. And you're going to find that as you're strong enough, you'll find yourself being able to take steps again in Jesus name. Amen. Then he says in Ephesians 3:17, he's praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. So when we, when we're in doubt, we're going to find ourselves lacking the kind of assurance that we need to have in battle, in difficult times, in challenging times, in fulfilling a dream time. But when we decide we're going to believe God and we just say, have faith in God, fear not for I am with you. And we start to speak scripture into our soul. We'll find that faith rises and Christ's power is dwelling in us. It says by faith. And then we are rooted and grounded in love. This, this love of God means we will, if we're abiding in Christ, we'll abide in the love of God. And I pray with all my heart that the love of God would be so evident and so manifested through all of our congregations that we would be an oasis in a world of hatred, in a world of loneliness, in a world of illness and sickness and offense, that the church of God would be a place not of judgment, but it'd be a place of the love of God so that we discover what that love is. When Paul says in verse 18, he's praying that we may be able to comprehend. To comprehend is to actually take a hold of it in our mind and our thinking and embrace it as part of our life. With all the saints, what is the width, length, depth, and height of that love? The width means that God's arms are so long and so accepting that there's just no limit to the breadth of his love. And then he says the length, his patience never runs out. His long suffering, it's so long, his love is long. It will, it will take a long time for some people to come around and to meet the Lord. I mean, for all of us, we've prayed for people and believe for people. And it can be very disappointing and very discouraging when we, 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 we find our faith and our love coming to an end. But God's love doesn't come to an end. He keeps on keeping on. And I remember leading my own father to Christ in his early 70s. We've been praying for him for like 30 years. But eventually he came through. He, he asked Christ into his life. And there are people even beyond our lives who, that we've prayed for that will receive Christ, that will come to God. And, and, and people who've drifted away will, will, will come back because the love of God is long and it doesn't run out. The depth of the love. God's love is so deep. 
It reaches to the darkest of places, the darkest of people's lives, reaches down to people who are in the deepest pit and feel like it's impossible to ever get out. And we are the expressions of that love. We are the ones who are reaching down. We are the ones who are widely accepting. We are the ones who are to be long-suffering. And then it says, and the height, the height of God's love is to take us so high, as deep as it is deep, it's, so as His love is high. It is, it is to take us to the highest of the heights of our life so that our best life, our greatest life, our grandest life is lived at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. We are seated with Christ, the Bible says. It's just such an astonishing thought. And Paul is praying that all the saints in Ephesus would understand these amazing things. And as we, as we look towards the end of this, this passage of Scripture, it, it culminates in a crescendo, this prayer. Because he says, now, as he ends this Scripture, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the... The power that works in us, he is now saying, now to God, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above, immeasurably beyond all we could imagine, one translation says. The message says far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Right after praying that prayer, where God is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we've just prayed, and believe God for, he says in verse 21, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love this because this is saying that as the church, and we are builders of the local church, planters and builders of the local church, he's saying be glory in the church. Nothing else in the church is to be receiving glory or greater honor than Jesus himself. And God the Father, we are brought together to be God glorifiers, to be giving Him all the credit, not to be taking it ourselves, not unto us, but unto Him. Be all the glory, all the praise in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. I believe we're living in a, in a time when every generation from children to teenagers to young adults to middle-aged people to elderly people, are going to find that they are glorifying God in the church. Every generation is, should be in our churches at some level or another having revival, having an awakening, discovering Jesus. And I'm believing that we will find that in this hour, many brand new young voices, middle-aged voices, older voices will be raised, raised, raised up by the power of God so that we're going to see a, a revival at every level in every generation touching our world in Jesus' name. God bless you, C3 Church family. We love you, and we are praying for you this prayer today for 2020 in the name of Jesus. Fantastic. Come on, let's give him a hand. <clears throat> so I want to continue that theme of prayer. Prayer changes everything. And so uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Thanks, Reuben. Let's give Reuben a hand. Remarkably good-looking, but now taken individual. We've been praying for that, that's for sure. <clears throat> Ephesians 3, verse 20, and, uh, and Pastor Phil read it just then. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, 
to him be glory. Now in your seats, as I said, you've got a, a dream card, and I have no problem with you writing on it during this message. But as you write it, I want you to begin to think <clears throat> beyond the normal. Right here, we have a promise that is right in the heart or in the context of prayer. Paul is talking about prayer, and then as Pastor Phil said, it crescendos in this verse that says, and God will do immeasurably more. Here you are praying like crazy for something, and God drops into the midst of it and says, I can do more than even that. Now, I want you to just imagine for a moment, you're walking through uh, Amsterdam on a cold winter's day, and, uh, and then suddenly the, the sun appears. And the warmth of the sun, you feel, just touch your face a little bit and takes the chill off the frozen nose. And then you think to yourself, wow, that light has taken eight minutes, because of course this is what you think about, that light has taken eight minutes to get from that sun to my face at the speed of light. Anybody know what the speed of light is? Let me tell you, nearly 300,000 kilometers a second. That's not 300 kilometers an hour or 300 kilometers a minute or even 300 kilometers a second. It's 300,000 kilometers a second. Now, that's fast. I'm sure you admit that's fast. And it takes the sun eight minutes, takes the light eight minutes to get at that speed to you. Now, I don't know about you, but that is already breaking through the limitations of my perceptions. I cannot even begin to imagine what that distance looks like. Yet, the furthest observable point of the universe is 46.5 billion light years away. 46.5 billion light years. A light year is uh, um, how... Is it takes a year for light to travel. So, okay, put it this way. So it takes 46.5 billion years, 46.5 billion years at 300,000 kilometers a second for light to reach that furthest point in the universe. Uh, that's pretty big, right? And, and so therefore we can conclude that God would think 46.5 billion light years bigger than us. His thoughts are bigger than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. All right, let's put, put it another way. Um, the Bible says that, the, the, it talks about the, the arm of his strength uh, being not too short to save. And sometimes it talks about the hand of his strength. And yet, we're told that he uh, helped the Israelites as they're trying to escape from the Egyptians, from slavery. He, he helped them with the finger of God. In fact, Jesus says, by the finger of God, I cast out demons. Now, just imagine if the finger of God is strong enough to overcome dark forces, if the finger of God is strong enough to deliver a nation, just think what the hand of God could do. Just think what the arm of God could do. Just think how powerful and how strong that is. And my question to us is this, what God are you praying to? Is he restricted? Is he limited? Or is it unrestricted? And every year, when we come to a new year, I, I love New Year because I love looking forward. And, and so I begin to pray about 
what I sense God might want to do in the year ahead and, and try and get one word for it. And this year, I felt like God gave me the word exponential because I'm believing for God to do something that is outside the realms of our thinking. Now, you need to understand that when you do life and, and when you build churches, there's a certain amount you can do in your own strength, for sure. But what we're wanting to see is the God's supernatural factor that goes way beyond what we could do, that multiplies anything we could ever perceive, dream of, or imagine, because then we're in the realm of the exponential. So that's what I'm believing for for you. That's what I'm, I'm believing your growth in Christ will be exponential this year, that the growth of our groups will be exponential, and the impact of hope on every street will be exponential. So my question is, are you believing in an exponential, unlimited, unrestricted God who could do absolutely anything? That this year could be the year when he breaks in and does what you've been dreaming of, which is way outside the bounds of your capacity to think. See, if you're dreaming something that's obtainable, then your dreams are too small. If you're thinking within, the normal, uh, within your normal personality, then you're thinking... It's also too small. If you haven't introduced the God exponential factor to your prayer life, then your praying is too comfortable. Because when we pray believing in an, uh, an unlimited, unrestricted God, we, become to, we, we begin to occupy our future. We begin to take the ground of our future and bring hope to every city. And that's what we're trying to do here. Is trying to bring the exponential, ever-increasing, ever-wonderful, ever-glorious presence of God to our streets because we want to see hope on every street. Now, you may go, well, that's incredibly bold, Pastor Steve, to think about hope on every street. Isn't that brash? Isn't that proud? Isn't that just too much to come to God with? But let me just put it another way. Uh, do you think God would be happy with our small, limited thinking? Like, we write on our dream card, God, I'd love to have a bonus at the end of the year. That's small thinking. That's really within the realms of you to achieve by being a good employee. That's not real. That's small. Put it on your card, by the way. I'm not saying don't. I'd love for you to have a bonus. But <clears throat> what I'm saying is God, God isn't, God's not offended by big thinking. I would like to suggest he's offended by small thinking. I'd like to suggest that he wants you to make bold declarations. He wants you to make bold visions of the future. He wants you to have big dreams of what could happen. He wants you to think about the extreme of your potential imagination. And so when I began to think about what would be the extreme of my imagination, because I was already being stretched at thinking about filling this room multiple times, I began to think, think about the zygodome and thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if we could fill that place? And then I began to think about, wouldn't it be amazing if we had a C3 believer on every street of Amsterdam? And then I began to try and comprehend, what does every street look like? Because when I walk the streets, I get to the end pretty quick, and then there's another one. And I'm thinking, that's a big, pretty bold dream. And then I'm going, that must be God. Because it's way beyond my ability to even be able to comprehend or imagine. I can't imagine what every street in Amsterdam looks like or feels like. And I've walked a lot of them. I've prayer walked a lot of them. And yet it's still feels so big. And for that reason, it's so exciting. And so, church, listen up. I'm asking just one simple little thing of us today. Just one 
incy wincy little favor from each of you. Is that right? This is, this is like, we'll change this from Dream Sunday to Easy Sunday. Uh, like we changed the fast from last year's 21 day to 10 days. We're just making it easy. You're all going, fasting for 10 days? We did 21 last year. That was tough. That, that, you know, over three weeks, you, you, you hit a lot of temptations in three weeks. A lot of opportunities to give up. So we've shortened it to 10 days. And we're still letting you eat. That's easy. You can do it. Eat some fruit and veg and you'll be fine. You will still be alive at day 11. You'll be okay. So I'm going to make this incy-wincy little bit of a challenge only for you today. I'm going to ask you to do this one simple little thing uh, that I know you're all going to want to commit to. Not going to be a problem, but before I tell you what it is, let me, let me just tell you uh, what happened to the Israelites. They were, after wandering in the desert for 40, wilderness for 40 years, they finally crossed the Jordan into their promised land. And then a few miles after, they come across the first city, Jericho. Now, Jericho is not a big city, or it wasn't then, and so they were able to uh, look at that city and think, you know, we can, we can do this, we can take this. And uh, God said to them, well, look, this is how you're going to take it. I'm going to ask you to walk around the city for seven days. Walk around the perimeter once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, walk around seven times. And on the seventh time, you will capture the city. Now, that city was small enough to walk around it in half an hour. It's just like walking around your neighborhood, uh, pretty much. Um, they could do it in half an hour. So day one, they walk around for half an hour. Day two, they walk around for half an hour. Day three, they walk around for half an hour. They get to day seven, and they walk around seven times and then raise a shout of victory and attack the city and defeat it. They circled their promise. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you this year to circle what our promise is, and that is that we bring hope to every street. I'm asking you to circle your neighborhood in prayer. Now, I think that most of us could walk our neighborhood in about 15 minutes. Now, I've got, uh, I've got different routes I take. I've got the really short routes for the real mid-dark mornings of winter that takes about 10 minutes. And I pray for the neighborhood. I've got the one that takes 20 minutes, the one that takes half an hour, and I've got the one that takes an hour. I can pretty much get around my entire district in an hour. And I circle it. And this is what I do. I look, I look into the houses. Now, look, bear with me, bear with me. That sounds creepy. That sounds spooky. I don't like literally staring at the... I'm not going from window to window. That's, that's bad if you're doing that that's stalking but I'm imagining what's going on inside and I'm, I'm praying for marriages I'm praying for uh, the children to be blessed I'm praying for God to heal things that are broken I'm praying for hearts to be open and I'm saturating that neighborhood in prayer what am I asking to do? to simply do the same maybe, maybe just once a week for 15 minutes walk around your neighborhood. Maybe for the other six days, you might want to do it at home until spring comes. 
But in my mind, if I don't go out for a walk, I'm still circling the neighborhood. I'm praying for the neighborhood. I'm praying for God to bless the neighborhood. I'm praying for God to move in the neighborhood. I'm praying for the very best uh, of what needs to happen in the neighborhood. I'm praying that God will start a group in the neighborhood. I'm, I'm praying for the very best within that circle. Circle the neighborhood and start to imagine what God could do, not what you could do only. Start to think about the extraordinary miracles that he could bring to pass, the extraordinary circumstances that he could bring to pass, because he's unlimited and not restricted. And by doing that, we begin to occupy, because your prayers are a transcript of your future. What you pray will determine your future. Your prayer life is prophetic for your, for your future. There's a, there's a guarantee of prayer, and that is this. 100% of every prayer not prayed never gets answered. Let me say that again. Here's the guarantee about prayer. 100% of every prayer not prayed never gets answered. That means we will never see the fulfillment of our dreams and desires if we don't engage with God in prayer. Sometimes the reason we're not seeing things happen isn't because God's not big enough to make it happen, but because he's waiting for us to ask for it to happen. You may have dreams for your life and for your family and for, uh, uh, for your neighborhood, but we haven't dared to ask that something could break in. Let me tell you a few things that I've circled in prayer because it, it doesn't happen overnight. Some things take a while. So, for example, a few years ago, I decided I would drive around Southeast, Amsam Southeast, uh, and I did it a number of times. I'd drive around, then then park up, and I may have stopped outside of your house. In fact, praying for you may be the reason you're here today. It's because at one point I prayed for you as I sat in my car or walked your neighborhood in prayer, and that's why you're here today. A few months later, we started something called C3 Cares that was birthed out of that. Pastor Raymond and Avi run, and that's now expanding into uh, New West, all birthed in a promise that I circled in prayer. I did the same in uh, Amsterdam West, began to walk the streets and pray. A few months later, we now have started a location in Amsterdam West, birthed in prayer. Everything gets birthed in prayer. It only took a few months. Persistence is the only reason I'm here. I'm not the most talented person in the world, but I am the most persistent person I know. Give me, a, give, give me something to go after, and I won't stop. And so I have learned to pray day in and day out, week in and week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. I have not stopped, and some of those things have required it. When Lisby and I struggled to have children, we circled that, that thing in prayer, and we began to pray over that thing. However tough it was, it took two to three years before we got our breakthrough and our first child was conceived. But we circled it in prayer. We did the same for getting a house. It seemed like an impossibility for us. We circled it in prayer. Again, it took nearly three years, but we got our breakthrough. I am still circling my family. Some of my family do not know Jesus. I've been praying for them for decades. And we've seen some breakthrough, but not entirely all. A long way from it, in fact. 
And yet I will not stop continuing to circle my family in prayer because I know that in persistence is breakthrough. I know as I continue to believe in an incredible, unlimited God, things will begin to happen. So I want to I show you, I want to demonstrate to you for a minute what could happen if every one of us committed to circling our neighborhood in prayer. I'm going to throw a map on the screen for you. Uh, you'll recognize the geography there. And um, uh, it's actually David Spronk's birthday today. He's upstairs leading the kids, I believe. Our family, Pastor David Spronk. But um, let, let me introduce you to what David does. David works here on the corner. But every lunchtime, he walks around this neighborhood and he prays. So let's just imagine for a minute. There we go. That's that circle right there. It is uh, circling our neighborhood is David Spronk praying around his home, which is about to appear on screen. Circling your neighborhood, it is, uh, it is possibly Intan Vitink or Fernando Oliveira praying around their places in Amstelveen. It is uh, myself or Johan Tolsmore, Hans Bausrucker praying around our neighborhoods in Almira. It's Manon Wieringa praying around her neighborhood near Demon, or, or Sipka praying around his neighborhood in South Oost. It's people praying around the neighborhood of Amsterdam Nord or Eiberg. It's people praying around Almira Port or Hout. It's people praying around Almira Bauta, uh, which is a long way from here. It's what's called Bauta. Uh, it's people praying around Amsterdam New West. It's People like Nico and Jade or Remy and Rebecca praying around Zandam uh, in their streets. It's people praying around the city centers of Amsterdam and Almira as I was this Thursday praying around the streets of Amsterdam West. It's someone somewhere praying where you are around their neighborhood. It's all of us committing to pray around our neighborhoods and as we do that, we circle the entire city. In fact, we circle parts of our city. In fact, as we do this, we're encircling the entire region. When we do that, we occupy our future and we allow God to bring hope to every street. Come on. That is all. That is all I'm asking you to do. Say <laughs> so that's easy. That's all. Little, little thing. Circle your neighborhood for 15 minutes once a week. Do we love Jesus enough to pray until we break through? Will we trust him enough to be still and know that he is God? Will we care enough to fight for our neighborhoods? It's a challenge for us at the start of this year. And so before we pray for you in your dream cards. Let me give you just three simple things that will help you in your uh, praying that the uh, Israelites did as they circled Jericho. Three simple things. You ready for this? Three simple prayer techniques. And the first is this. They walked around the walls of Jericho in silence. And they did that for six days. So the first thing in prayer is this. There is, we need to realize there's always a time to be silent. Now, I, I've struggled with this one more than any other because I'm a doer. 
I'm an action person, so to get me silent and still is, can be a challenge. But if those Israelites ran into that city on day one, they would have failed their task. Because this is how it often works. It certainly is how it often works for me. When I start running into a big prayer topic and I start going at it, I don't really have faith for it. Because I haven't yet stilled my heart to trust and believe that God is big enough to make this happen. And so that's why Psalm 46 says this, Be still and know that I am God, because I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. See, when you, when you get still, when you hold back yourself and surrender yourself to him and take time to observe his bigness, his extravagant power, his abundance, something happens on the inside. It's like the seed of exponential gets born inside of you. The sense that anything could happen gets birthed inside of you. And so it's good to take time to be still. God was stopping them from rushing in. Why? So that he might be exalted. Because even if they had succeeded by rushing in on day one, that would have brought no glory to him. But by them being patient and holding back and then simply giving a shout of triumph and seeing the walls come down brought huge glory to him that we're still talking about this many years later. The second thing they did was this, and I've hinted at that, and that is this, they shouted. The second thing is there's a time to shout. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. There comes a point where you need to know that you've got weapons to bind demons. You've got weapons to cast out darkness. You've got the ability and the authority to bring light into dark places. You don't have to be an eloquent prayer. You don't have to be the most educated person in town. You don't have to be qualified to be called. When you're called, you are qualified. That's all you need to know. You're here today because you're called. You're called to Christ and you're called to his mission. And that is to win as many people to Christ as we possibly can. You are called, therefore you are qualified. You can pray. You don't need to know how to just say something to him about the dreams you know are on his heart and let him see it come to pass. But you can fight the good fight, shout a shout of praise, and declare a song of victory. And finally, as I draw this to a close, I'm a little over time here, so I'm going to bring us into this dream card moment. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so, so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. There's a time to be silent, a time to shout, and a time to circle your promises. When you say, this is my dream, this is what's going to come to pass. And as you write your dreams on your card, I'm believing that God will do extraordinary things. Maybe in a dream you have for a business. Maybe a dream you have for your marriage. Maybe for a dream you have uh, in some other personal area. But look, also write on there a dream you have for your neighborhood or your group, or something that's outside of you. Come on, let's see dreams come to pass that actually perhaps have got nothing to do with us, but are still on God's page. 
than what's, what he is interested in. We live in a very self-orientated society. Wouldn't it be awesome if we switched that around and went, God, I give myself this year to seeing dreams come to pass that are for the blessing of the people around me, for the blessing of others. Circle that. Let's circle that in prayer. Let's circle that in faith. Let's begin to imagine God's vastness, His power to unlock the impossible. And let's begin to pray. It's just going to give you a, a little moment to complete what Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been you've been moving away from him. And today I want to invite you to come back to him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer today, the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.